0: glad that you're here this morning. We'd love it if you would stand and worship with us. Good morning, everyone. We're so happy that you could join us on this very snowy morning. Why don't you take a look around, see who's around you, and say hello.
1: Good morning again. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. I gather you like singing Christmas music. Is that, is that true? Yes well i would say you come to the right place there's some more songs that we're gonna get to sing as we praise and worship our lord this morning and so it's so good to be here worshiping together my name is adam harbaugh i'm the outreach pastor here at Hopevale, and as we talked about last week pastor dan shared a little bit about our christmas outreach offering and just uh, we're in the season where we begin to prepare for that it's just a special offering that we take during our christmas services and each and every cent of this offering is designated to go to bless people outside the walls of this church. But not only that, one of the things that it also accomplishes is to equip and unleash our people to go and be the hands and the feet of Jesus outside the walls of this church. And so it's just an incredible fund that has done a lot of uh, incredible things over the years as we spread the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And so uh, just to kind of capture a couple of the stories that happened this year with our people getting out into the community and making a difference. We actually put together a couple videos to just capture uh, some of those stories, and so we want to share that with you this morning, so let's take a look. We have a great servant's heart. Uh, that's what I love about Mike Group. Um, they, they are great servants and they, that's what they want to do, that's how they want to show their faith. We're working with some of the uh, displaced homeless vets. Uh, in the region, in the Saginaw area. Things like socks and the things that we take for granted every day, toothpaste and mouthwash and toothbrushes. So, you know, there's there's a real need out here in the community and especially for the vets. I mean, you know, if you want to serve a community out there, you know, what better than to serve somebody who has actually served us too. A lot of our group members are veterans. So it's near and dear. And then even more so in our group, you know, they have people in their families or extended families that are serving. So it's really kind of close to our hearts. We want um, God's love to shine through, and that's what it's about.
2: Help renovate uh, the fourth floor for our women's ministry. And giving to this ministry really helps provide a place of hope and care for people who are struggling with homelessness. This started out to
3: be a two-room project for the Hopevale team. And what it turned out to be is a seven-room, four-bathroom, 120-feet hallway project.
2: Ceiling tiles, ceiling grid, ceiling lights, paint, mortar, primer, tile, baseboard, electrical supplies. The Holy Spirit got a hold of us and we all came together and we decided we're going to do the project until it's done so we get to floor it back open. The team here is a bunch of retired guys, most of us are retired, we do have some folks still working, and uh, as well as some of our wives are up here working. The skills we're using are God-given skill. So the women who stay on this floor, on this part of the accommodations, are those that are going to be involved with our SAVE program, spiritually accountable and vocationally equipped. And so we start that with jobs for life, as well as discipleship classes. And then our jobs coach will work with them to actually help get them into gainful employment. While they're staying here as well, we'll help provide transportation for them to and from the job. And so, there's all the support services to help encourage anybody who is struggling, maybe has had a hard time getting employment. We want them to be able to have sustainable success and build into their lives so then that way they don't have to ever repeat homelessness again. The one verse that always compels me and I share with our staff and I share with many of our volunteers is Jude 22 that is of some having compassion making a difference you know a lot of times we hear compelling stories we hear about things that are going on within the world and they definitely touch our heart but you know it's one thing to just have sympathy for somebody but compassion means that you actually go and do something for them And so that's what impresses me so much with uh, those that got involved with Hopevale, um, not only by giving in the Christmas offering, but also coming in volunteering. You heard about the story, you heard about the need, and then you actually came and did something. To me, that's when we really put God's word into action. See you out there. Thank you, Hopevale.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Doug says that really well. I mean, thank you, Hopevale. So as you can see, those are just really great examples of the ways that people from Hopevale just get out into the community, take the gifts and skills that God has given them and the things that they're passionate about, to just have their eyes open for needs that are around them. Uh, they accessed Christmas outreach offering funds and then went and made a difference. And so, you know, as we corporately give to that offering, it really enables this kind of ministry to take place. And so uh, it, it's something that is, is near and dear to our hearts here at Hopevale. And it's something that we really want to see continue as well. And so our encouragement to all of us is to just prayerfully consider how we might participate in that offering. And really, our encouragement over the years has been, you know, are there some areas in Christmas where we can cut some spending? Can we spend less on stuff and give to this offering so that corporately as we just kind of pool some funds together, it really goes and makes a huge difference, not only here uh, locally in our own backyard, but globally as well. And so, again, I mean, those are two stories that just are the tip of the iceberg of the things uh, that that fund accomplishes, and we're very grateful for that. And so if, uh, if you do feel led to participate, we have envelopes in the lobby that you can pick up and uh, put your gift in that, bring it back to any of our Christmas services. You can also give online. And so uh, just a, a part of uh, the Christmas tradition around here that we're very excited about and hope that you can participate in that as well. Well, I don't know if you guys noticed this morning, but it's snowing outside. Did anybody notice that? I mean, finally. uh, I guess it all depends on if you really like snow or if you would rather it just, you know, not show up. But, hey, we almost got to mid-December, and that's not too bad. Uh, But because of the snow today, we do just want to let everybody know, uh, because it's supposed to compile all day, Uh, We're going to cancel our adult classes that happen at this facility tonight and also all student ministry programming at South Campus tonight. And so I just want to be precautious there make sure everybody is staying safe at home. And so you can also continue to check the website uh, for updates regarding that in the coming weeks uh, in case this white stuff continues. So... uh, At this time, as we continue in our service this morning, I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward as we prepare to give of our tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the opportunity to be here this morning. And and God, just thanks for uh, bringing everybody here safely. Uh, We know that the the roads are beginning to get a little slippery, and uh, we all need to begin to remember how to drive in snow again. And uh, Lord, we just wanna turn our attention to you this morning. God, you are the reason that we're here. We're here to worship and praise your name for all, uh, everything that you are and all that you are doing around us. And Lord, we're just, we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to partner with you in your mission around the world. And so God, whether it's the Christmas outreach offering that we're going to give to later this month or our regular tithes and offerings as we prepare to give them today, Lord, um, we just pray that you would take and use these gifts to further your kingdom here on this earth god that uh, this lost and broken and hurting world would be able to hear and know the good news of what your son jesus has done for us god we love you and we pray this in jesus name amen
0: there is a truth old within the ages there is a promise of things yet to come.
2: there is
0: one born for There is a light that overwhelms the darkness. There is a kingdom that works. There is freedom. We adore you. We love you so much and we thank you for everything you've done for us. We love being in your presence today and worshiping you. Thank you for bringing us all here safely and please bless our rest of our day. In your name we pray, amen.
3: Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. This child will bring us goodness and light and it is because of Jesus that we come and we worship and we adore him. Uh, Before I get to the message, guys, if you can put up that Christmas services slide, we just want to remind you that this year, just a couple weeks away, uh, we are doing five Christmas worship services over two days, Friday, December 23rd at 5 and 7 p.m., and then Saturday, December 24th, 1, 3, and 5 p.m. The services are identical. The last about an hour. Uh, we'll also have programming for our children, birth through uh, pre-kindergarten in our Tatown Town area. Uh, we also open the doors for each service about a half hour before uh, they start, so I want you to know that as well. We're really excited about this, really believe that, you know, last year we did four on one day. Uh, all of them pretty much were packed out, and we believe that God is continuing to draw people here for worship of Jesus Christ, as we've done today. Well, we are now just two weeks away. Can you believe it? (laughs) I mean, really, two weeks away from Christmas Day. And if you're like me, you still got a lot to do between now and then. And probably at the top of a lot of our to-do lists is shopping for presents, right? Shopping for presents. Two weeks out. Just curious, how many of you are actually done with your Christmas shopping? Raise your hands. I'll look at this. That is incredible. All taken care of. Done. Finished. You should have ran for president. I mean, that, call, I, oh, I am just so impressed. You know, I've still got some buying to do myself. But here's the thing for me. It's not so much a matter of procrastination as it is intimidation, right? Intimidation. I mean, I think I'm a pretty creative and generous guy, right? You know, some fragrant lotion, a couple nice smelling candles for Kathy. You know, sounds good, don't you think? But then... I make the mistake of turning on the TV, right? See a bunch of those commercials, and boy, am I the loser husband. I mean, it is like, put you under the pot. I'm not just talking about every kiss begins with K, open hearts, us forever, or whatever scam, you know, the jewelry company's got going on. No, I'm talking about this commercial, right? You've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Lexus, new in the driveway. I mean, help me out. Do people actually do this for Christmas? Really? The 2017 Lexus LS has a starting MSRP of $72,520. And that's not even with the bells and the whistles. It's not even the most expensive Lexus in the fleet. Can I say that again? $72,520. That is like a house with wheels on it, Right? Guys, is this what we're supposed to be doing for our spouses for Christmas? And if you're going to pull one of those up in the driveway, do you really need a bow on it, right? (laughs) Now, if you went this route, I could see the need for a bow, (laughs) right? Or a couple bows and some duct tape and a blindfold and um, maybe a comfy pillow, too, for the couch that you'd be sleeping on the next few days. But probably more in line with at least my price range, you know, probably yours as well, don't you think? Well, with two weeks to go, I eventually need to get over the intimidation and finish up my shopping. But, you know, all this car talk got me thinking, right? You know, it is pretty amazing that we live in a day and age where there is even such a thing called an automobile. I mean, don't you think? I mean, you look over the scope of history, centuries upon centuries, and not just Bible times, but even much of American history, that if you wanted to travel across land on your own, you either walked or bike or rode an animal or rode in something pulled by an animal, right? Those were your choices. It was either your power or horse power. So imagine how bold it was for people like Henry Ford, right, and others to think outside the box, and believe that there could actually be something like a gas-powered personal vehicle for common people like us. We take cars for granted, but back at the turn of the previous century, people thought it was nonsense. Take, for instance, this from the Literary Digest of 1899, that the ordinary horseless carriage is at present a luxury for the wealthy. It will never, of course, come into as common use as the bicycle. Or these words from a prominent Michigan banker. The horse is here to stay. But the automobile, it's only a novelty. I I guess that is true of Mackinac Island, right? (laughs) But, you know, for the rest of us, I am glad that when I walk in the parking lot, it's full of cars and not horses. Just, you know, (laughs) just kind of letting you know, right? But cars aren't the only thing we take for granted in 2016. What about television? You know, you can walk into Sam's Club, get a gigantic flat panel TV for just a few hundred bucks, but it wasn't always that way. TV had its doubters as well. Daryl Zanuck, he was a legendary movie producer, 20th Century Fox, said, television won't last because people will soon get tired at staring at a plywood box every night. Well, little did Mr. Zanuck know that just a few decades later, the average American family would have at least three of those plywood boxes in their home. There are also doubts about the personal computer. Ken Olson, founder and president of Digital Equipment Corporation, at the time, gigantic corporation, says there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. Right? I mean, I guess he's right, right? We really don't have computers in our home. We just carry them around on our phones now, right? <laughs> yeah. For every inventor, for every dreamer, there are dozens of doubters, It won't work. It won't last. You're a fool to even think about it. And you know, in history, it shows us that many of the most vocal critics were quote-unquote experts. The esteemed British scientist Sir William Thompson, later known as Lord Calvin, said this about air flight. He said that heavier than air, flying machines are impossible. And this is coming from a guy whose other work in math and science is still studied in universities today. And yet here we are, a little over a century later, and some of you will actually be boarding an airplane to travel over the holidays. It is incredible. You know, with stories like these, you wonder where we'd be today without doubters, the naysayers, if these negative Nellies had their way. You wonder what life would be like if special individuals throughout history gave way to intimidation, if they cared more about being accepted, if they listened to their fears of not fitting in with all, all the experts said what, what was and was not Possible. Well, if that's the case in the world of inventors, it is certainly true in the world of faith. And the bold examples that we see in Scripture of men and women who are willing to take the risk, to take the risk of following God despite what others might think and say about them. Today, as we continue on in our Christmas series entitled Hope is Here, I want us to look at one such story. And that is the story of Joseph, the father of Jesus. Now, last week, Pastor Sam walked us mostly through Mary's story, touched a little on Joseph's as well. And with those, we saw that the hope that Christmas brings is a hope that is full of surprises. Full of surprises. I love the way Sam put it, that we can recognize that hope is here when we shift our perspective from our plans to God's promise. Our plans to God's promise. Christmas teaches us that sometimes we need to stop clinging to how we think our lives should go or what we think is going to bring us joy and fulfillment and instead be open to how God wants to lead us, no matter how surprising that might be. We see that in Mary's life, don't we? As she goes from how can this be since I am a virgin to I am the Lord's servant, may it be so. Because Mary was willing to let go of her own plans and be surprised by God, we 2,000 years later get to experience this life-changing, destiny-altering right blessing, a blessing that comes from her willing obedience, the blessing that comes through knowing and following her son, Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is certainly someone whose faith is admirable and worthy of our respect, but also... Lingering more behind the scenes is Joseph, and Joseph is also one whose story leads us to blessing, one that we too can learn greatly from. And so if you have your Bible with you, or you want to pull up Version on your smartphone today, we're going to look at Joseph's story in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and we'll start with verse 18 that matthew after the first 17 verses of the opening chapter recounting the genealogy of jesus he then pivots to tell us the background story that leads up to christmas verse 18 this is how the birth of jesus the messiah came about his mother mary was pledged to be married to joseph but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the holy spirit Now, there's a lot going on in this one verse. And thankfully, last week, we read through Luke's more detailed account of Mary's supernatural pregnancy and how the angel Gabriel informed her that this would come to pass. But when it comes to Joseph, the first thing we learn about him here is that he's pledged to be married to Mary. Pledged to be married. They are engaged. But engagement back then meant something far different and more serious than it is today, right? Very different. In other words, think of the reality TV show, The Bachelor. It's pretty much the opposite of that, okay? Back in first century Judaism, the marriages were usually arranged by the parents of the bride and groom, sometimes without even consulting the couple to be married. And with that arrangement, an actual contract would be prepared in which the groom's parents, or maybe the groom himself, depending on his age, paid a bride's price to the parent's something that was agreed upon. Now, maybe that doesn't sound very romantic to you, but the contractual nature of that agreement showed how serious engagement was. So much so that engaged couples back then were essentially considered to be married, just in the engagement, even though the actual wedding ceremony itself and the consummation of that marriage wouldn't happen for another 12 months. Not only that, but you had then this in-between time, right? And that was quite different as well. Couples pledged to be married, had very little face-to-face contact with each other, and when they did, it was supervised, chaperoned. All the time, that was it. No dating, no texting, no Skyping, no FaceTime, nothing like that, right? And so here, verse 18, we learn that Mary becomes pregnant, and somehow Joseph discovers news of this pregnancy, And he knows it's not him, right? It can't be because they can never be alone. Now we know, right, on the other side of history that this miraculously came about by the Holy Spirit. But Joseph at this point, as far as we can tell, either doesn't know that yet or he's not quite sure he believes it. Verse 19. Because Joseph was faithful, her husband was faithful to the law. And let me just add, the law mentioned here isn't the law of government. It is the law of God. Joseph is a devout Jewish believer, and he did his best to faithfully obey everything that was commanded in what we now know as the Old Testament. Faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly. With news of Mary's pregnancy, Joseph wanted to do the right thing, yet he found himself in a bit of a dilemma. That on the one hand, he is all about honoring God's word. So he just can't ignore Mary's pregnancy and her apparent immorality. Yet on the other hand, he also wants to protect Mary's reputation. You see it right there. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace and essentially ruin the rest of her life. So for Joseph to think about breaking off this formal engagement agreement, that's why it's called divorce here, right? Breaking that out. That's not him bailing at the first sign of trouble. Now, that's actually both for him, an act of righteousness before God, and an act of compassion toward Mary. So Joseph makes his plans, right? Just like we saw last week. He makes his plans. He comes up with it in his mind and has it that he will divorce her quietly. But, verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now again, the angel of the Lord here essentially tells Joseph the same message that Mary heard from the angel Gabriel, right? That she is supernaturally pregnant because of a miraculous and historically unique work of the Holy Spirit. And so he's got to believe that. That's a big stretch, right? And also, just like Mary heard, the angel of the Lord says to Joseph here, do not be afraid, But here's where it diverges, because the reason the angel says this to Joseph is different. What does it say here? Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, what? Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Now think with me for a moment. What's the fear that Joseph is wrestling with here, Why would he be afraid to stay engaged and eventually take mary home as his wife what do you think i actually think there are a couple reasons here i think he's afraid of what god what will god think and he's afraid of what will people say what will god think and what will people say if i do this now the angel directly answers that first one for joseph that because mary's pregnancy is not a result of her violating the law of god Joseph's own righteousness can stay intact if he stays engaged to Mary and takes her home as his wife. He needs to take God at his word, but if this really is the case, that she is bearing a child conceived by the Holy Spirit, then he knows the question, what will God think, that's taken care of. But the second one, what will people say? That's tougher, isn't it? What will people say about them, about him, as he remains engaged and Mary's pregnancy becomes even more evident? The talk of the town, the chatter of the people, the opinion of others, especially in a small village like Nazareth, that can be a very powerful, intimidating force. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Verse 21, Mary, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Did you know that's what the name Jesus means? Jesus, it comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves, or the Lord saves. And actually, Jesus was a fairly common name among the Jewish people back in the first century Middle East. And yet this child wasn't going to be just any ordinary Jesus. Now this Jesus would carry out a divinely appointed mission. What? He will save his people from their sins now we'll talk more about Jesus in a little bit but let's go back to Joseph think about what is being asked of him remain married to Mary and risk the public disgrace of people doing the math right? doing the math of when their wedding date would be relative to Mary's due date that's no small thing but not only that Joseph is also tasked with raising a child that is not even his own flesh and blood now he's not the only one in history ever asked to do that Some of you here, you've taken on that very noble duty. And yet for Joseph, this young man who probably has his own hopes and dreams of a family, he's got to do this straight out of the blocks. And then on top of that, he doesn't even get a say in naming the son he's got to raise. Back in ancient Jewish culture, this was a big deal, especially for the man. It was his way of putting his fingerprints on his legacy. But no, that gets taken away from Joseph as well. Not that he's complaining, but if I were in his shoes, I'd get pretty upset. Pretty upset at what God is asking me to do here. Seems like quite a lot of risk. Seems like quite a lot of sacrifice. Right? Well, the angel is done talking to Joseph, who's soaking all this in. And in verse 22, the Gospel writer Matthew, in telling the story of Jesus, makes this observation. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Matthew connects this part of Jesus' story with the words of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, who seven centuries earlier in Isaiah 14 says this, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that somehow in the grand eternal unfolding plan of God, Mary's supernatural pregnancy through the work of the Holy Spirit is a fulfillment of prophecy. That this child she is bearing will not only be named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins, but he will also be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took mary home as his wife but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name jesus joseph indeed was a righteous man joseph stayed engaged to mary and took her home as his wife just as the angel of the lord had commanded him to do despite what others might say Not only that, but he also didn't consummate the marriage until after the child was born as a way of honoring the righteousness that scriptures required. And then on top of that, he also gave up the right. He had as a husband in that culture of naming this son of theirs. And instead, he followed in obedience by giving him the name Jesus. Joseph, this simple carpenter from a small town called Nazareth, he took the risk. And he played his part in God's overall plan of bringing hope, hope of his salvation to all people, both then and now. Think about it. I I get to stand up here 2,000 years later and joyously and confidently proclaim that hope is here because of Jesus. Jesus because of Jesus, but also because of the faithful obedience of these seemingly insignificant and simple women and men, like Mary, like Joseph. And as we step back, and as we take in Joseph's story, I want us to think for a moment then about our own story in light of his. Now, obviously, Joseph's story is incredibly unique. I can pretty much guarantee that God will not ask you to do the exact same thing he asked Joseph. That is a, you know, once-in-all-of-history kind of moment. Not only that, but I'm pretty sure that you will never be visited in your dreams by an angel of the Lord, right? As directly, as vividly as Joseph was, and let me just add, if you think you have, um, There are a couple nice gentlemen in white jackets here today who I'd love to introduce you to to talk, right? Now, very unique, very vivid, very direct. Joseph's story will never be repeated, and yet the type of attitude he possessed, the kind of obedience he displayed, those things are to be imitated. They are by us. Now, what that looks like in our lives is going to be different, right? But we all are going to have those moments where God asks us to take a risk for him. And it's the kind of risk that's going to be misunderstood by others, maybe even ridiculed by others. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Do not worry. Do not be intimidated by what others might think and say about you. Today, we know that hope is here because Joseph was willing to take that risk for God, that very risk that can be ours, or that hope that comes from that risk if we're willing to to do that as well. See, experiencing the hope of Jesus, it's a risk. It means that you care more about what God has for you than what others say about you. Experiencing the hope of Jesus means caring more about what God has for you than what others say about you. And the sad thing is, not everyone's willing to take that risk. Remember back in Matthew chapter 1, the two names we saw there, Jesus and Emmanuel? Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And he also should be called Emmanuel because he is God with us. That's what Christmas is all about. But to say that you believe that in this day and age, (laughs) to base the entirety of your hope upon a miraculous conception of virgin birth, that's taking a risk. And it's more than just taking a stand by saying Merry Christmas. It's more than just going to church beyond this time of year. No, the risk is saying and believing that there is a God. And that this almighty God humbled himself by entering our world as a helpless baby boy named Jesus. And that Christmas is the celebration that God is with us. Not only that, but Christmas also celebrates that God is for us. He's for us because this same Jesus grew up to be our Savior, dying on the cross to save us from our sins. Hope is here, and this is where hope begins. And so my prayer for you is that everyone here would... Personally experience the hope that Jesus brings. Why? Because you care more about what God has for you than what others say about you. And so let me ask you, have you taken that risk? Have you made your stand by telling God, by telling yourself, by telling those around you? That to you, Jesus is not just a Savior, that Jesus is not just the Savior, but that Jesus is your Savior? That he will save People like me, like you, from your sins because you are willing to trust and believe in him. That's what's at stake with Christmas. It's women and men, girls and boys who don't water down Christmas, right? Don't strip it of all its meaning so that others will think well of them. No, the hope that Jesus brings means taking a risk, but his hope is worth the risk because his hope is the best, Hope possible. And then for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we who know that hope personally, the challenge for us is to keep holding on to that hope for the rest of our lives, no matter what others might think or say. The Christian life begins with this initial acceptance of Jesus, right? Above anything else, but then the Christian life continues along with a new set of risks and challenges. And so the question is, can you, can I continue to care more about what God has for us than what others say about us. Joseph was a righteous man. He had already experienced the grace and the forgiveness that was available to him under the old covenant. And so by the time we see him in Matthew chapter 1, I'm convinced that this isn't his first challenge of faith. It's just his latest and biggest challenge of faith. And so it is with us. We are always going to face new challenges. Challenges where we're going to be tempted to water down our faith, to give in to the opinion of others. It's like peter did when he denied jesus when people talk about you and Exclude you mock you shame you because of your hope in jesus. It can get pretty wearing. I mean it can pretty intimidating These doubters these naysayers these negative melodies when it comes to the christian faith You know, they're not just out there culturally No for some of us. They're right there in our own extended family I know some of you here today take heat from relatives for coming to worship here at Hopeville, right? The questions, the subtle digs, the guilt-inducing how-could-you-do-this-to-us statements. It happens. And so we, like Joseph, need to lean on God so we can rise above our fears, so that we can make sure that our hearts are in a place where we're caring more about what God has for us than what others say about us. And I believe the best way we meet that challenge isn't so much by convincing ourselves to stop caring what others think and say, but rather we positively direct our hearts to worship, right? We proactively align our priorities with God's priorities so that the hope of Jesus within us is living and breathing and fresh and alive. That's why you need to be here. That's why worshiping God, whether it's individually or collectively, is so important, especially this time of year, because worship reminds us that the hope of Jesus is worth the risk. The angel of the Lord said to Joseph, Do not be afraid. And I believe God says the same thing to us today. Do not be afraid, do not be intimidated, do not shrink back. Do not settle. Do not water down your hope just because it's different or hard to explain or doesn't always make sense to others. Because in the end, I would rather trust God than fit in, wouldn't you? I'd rather trust God than listen to the so called experts. I would rather trust God than expend all my energy trying to live up to everyone else's expectation, wouldn't you? You know, in the end, the experts aren't always right. In the end, the expectations of others keeps on changing. But Jesus, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus, who the Bible says is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he is the one. He is the only one who is worthy of all the hopes of our hearts. So this Christmas, do not be afraid. Do not let the doubters have the last word in your life. Because you have hope. And hope is here. The hope of Emmanuel that says that God is with you, and the hope of Jesus that says God is for you always and forever. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for today's worship celebration of this child. Jesus, Emmanuel, you entering our world and bringing us hope. Hope that is greater than any fear we might have. Hope that sees us not only through this life, but ushers us into your presence in the life to come. So let us, by faith, hold on to that hope. And Father, I pray especially for those who are here today and just They're anxious. They're they're riddled with fear. I pray you would deliver them from that and that the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, would bring them hope and confidence and faith and love. God, we are here to worship. We are here to celebrate the miracle of Christmas and the joy of Jesus. So fill our hearts anew and afresh with your great hope in our lives. Deliver us from fear. Fill us with faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We get to rejoice because God, Emmanuel, Jesus is with us and he is for us. Next week we'll continue our Hope is Here series as Pastor Sam talks about a hope that is better than we can imagine. But as you go from here, may the presence of Jesus guide your way, filling you with faith and freeing you from fear. God bless you.